By now, you've heard someone mention the term quiet quitting. You probably know what it means. Or do you? Because it either means doing exactly what is asked of you and no more, or it means doing the very least and getting paid a full work week for it. But we're not going to pick a side. No. We're here to talk about how to deal with it. That's it. Quiet quitting is either a management problem, or a generational problem, or a work-from-home problem, but if you're a leader, it's your problem. Hey everybody, welcome back to the KL Podcast. As always, we are glad to have you back with us today. And today, I am so excited about this topic because I'm going to be riding shotgun with everyone listening as I learn all about quiet quitting. Josh, do you know, <laughs> have you ever heard the term quiet quitting? Henry, I'm going to need you to scoot over a little bit because I'm not in shotgun with you too, man. <laughs> this was a new term for me when, when, we, uh, when we started learning about this. So it, 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 was, it was fun to learn about it, though, you know? Yeah, well, I, mean, it, it I was. can relate. I can relate. Yeah, as I told Henry before we before we started recording, all this tells me that the two of you haven't heard about quiet quitting is that you're doing a pretty good job of staying off of social media the last month because yeah. this thing flared up. Yeah. I mean, this is like a supernova. It just out of nowhere and it's all over LinkedIn, but it's not just LinkedIn. It's kind of generational because Gen Z is all over this topic. It's all over TikTok. I mean, there's tons of TikToks about quiet quitting. <laughs> quiet quitting is hot, man. Another it reason why I haven't seen it is on TikTok. Yeah. It is hot. And, and, and we did do a ton of research. You know, it, it's in the New York Times. You could read on CBS News. Forbes wrote about it. Forbes, yeah. Uh, Harvard Business Review wrote about it. Guys, it's everywhere. For nowhere that Josh and I go. It's not, it's not on those high school football forums. Yeah. So <laughs> Reddit. <laughs> so I guess Tim, the only way to start this thing off is the way we started off every time. What is quiet quitting? Well, that is, is a great question because that's why it's so controversial because depending on who you ask, it's a completely different thing. Right. Right. So, I mean, the definition is a moving target. So it's been defined, it's been redefined. There's people who think of it as two different things. For some people, it's mentally checking out of work. For other people, it's not accepting additional work without additional pay. So it really just depends on who you ask. You know, it's, it's either staying employed while doing the absolute bare minimum or it's setting healthy boundaries and, you know, not letting work take over your life. So, uh, you know, it's on one hand, it's like, I'm going to quit doing above and beyond when right. I'm not getting paid any more money. And then on the other hand, it is, you know, you're just basically, you're, you're a couch potato just sitting there collecting a paycheck. <laughs> right. Yeah. The, the people so. who aren't doing anything, I mean, whew. if you if you can get away with not doing anything for 40 hours a week, you've got a whole nother set of problems that I don't even know how to address. But I love yeah. this one this one quote that I read where somebody said, 
quiet quitting is where you don't quit the job. You just quit the idea of going above and beyond. And that's kind of what you were saying, Tim. And yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's generational. I feel like I've been surrounded by people that no. have been quiet quitters. <laughs> Here's the thing, man. Oh, man. Uh, the younger generations are going to come after me for this. I'm, get, I'm getting ready to say something that is going to light the yeah. Fuse. Oh, I can't oh man, they're going to go crazy. Just, yeah, just as soon as they start listening to us, Tim. They're going to go, go crazy. crazy. Oh, they listen, Josh. <laughs> just they a trigger listen. warning, trigger warning, everybody. <laughs> here we okay. go. Yeah, I'm getting, ready, I'm getting ready to trigger an entire generation here. It is not surprising to me that this is an issue in a remote workplace. It, it isn't. It's not surprising yeah. to me either. That's it's it. That's, much, the, that's the trigger warning. Because, yeah, because nobody, you know, because if you talk to the younger generation who has only worked remotely, they're like, I work just as hard. I probably work harder remotely than I would in an office. <laughs> is that your impersonation of the younger generation? Is that is. how they talk? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. They're so passionate. <laughs> I get, I, I probably work twice as hard remotely as I would in an office. Uh, maybe, maybe not. It's much easier to quietly quit when you are remotely because you don't have direct supervision. I know nobody wants direct supervision, but you don't. And I mean, you know, here's the thing. I mean, I had so many, I had so many feelings. I love how fired up you are right now. Let's Let's hear your feelings. So the whole, not everybody, but there's many people who are saying, I'm just going to stop going above and beyond. (laughs) And above and beyond is working 40 hours. 40 hours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, okay. It's I, like it's like whatever comes into my inbox, I will respond to that. But if that takes me 15 hours a week, well, then that's fine. So, you know, like above and beyond is also a little ambiguous because I think to many people who are all fired up over this, it's like they expect me to go above and beyond. Well, a lot of employers expect 40 hours of work a week. That's what you signed up for. And, you know, if they're not getting it, they've got a reason to be upset with you about it. Let me throw this scenario out there. If your job is to make 500 phone calls a week and you've got 40 hours to do it and you knock those out in 30 hours, what do you do for the other 10? If you're a quiet quitter, you don't do anything, right? Right. If you're a quiet quitter, that's right. If you're not, and you go ahead and make more phone calls and let's say you get 80 more phone calls, do you make more money? As a salesperson? Yes. But, but quiet quitting isn't solely related to sales. And I've thought about that too, Henry, because salespeople, it's a whole different ball game because, you know, generally speaking, the idea is the harder we work, the more money we make, but this quiet quitting applies to, a lot of different jobs. Yeah. Well, I, I don't, I, I get the generation thing 100%. And, and, you know, for me going from working in an office to working at home, there's just less opportunity to go above and beyond because you're not privy to these hallway conversations that spark an idea. And so you're kind of living in this little vacuum and you have to, you have to be very creative. And for people who can't see through, you know, whatever the situation is directly in front of them to an idea to be more helpful, they probably just don't know what to do. And maybe they resolve unconsciously to become quiet quitters. I don't know. And I'm not excusing it. I'm just saying that maybe there's a, maybe there's a reason for that, but I would, I, I, but I would say this, I would say this. I don't even look at my father's generation 
and think that they were anything beyond quiet quitters. I don't, I don't, I don't remember seeing my dad you know, thinking like, oh, you know, here's something extra I could do at work to go above and beyond. I saw him like putting in his 40 hours and going home. And in if some that's ways, the way you define say, it, because you just said yeah. he's putting in his 40 hours. Yeah. I'm doing my I'm job. Saying. I'm not doing anything more. I'm not doing anything yeah. less doing the minimum and I'm heading home. Yeah. So if you're putting in 40 hours, I have less of a problem with it, but doing the bare minimum to stay employed I mean, I don't, I can't really get behind that. And I'll say another thing too. Trigger, trigger alert. Coming. Here we go. Here we go. Round two. So the folks that are defending quiet quitting, you know, one of the things that's said very common or, you know, said a lot is so quiet quitting is just showing up and doing my job. What's wrong with that? I mean, I'm just showing up. I'm doing my job. Nobody should be offended by that. Okay. Well, would you say that in an interview? <laughs> because if you wouldn't say that in an interview, then there is some level of dishonesty there. I mean, why not just sit in the interview? You know, if you're so comfortable with that idea, sit in an interview and say, you know what? I'm going to come in. I'm going to do the job. And then I'm going to go home. Okay. I love. All right. Here's my follow-up to that then. This sounds like a management problem. If, if I'm interviewing somebody and I haven't clearly defined what I need them to do, then what my expectation is, is that they will figure it out beyond my expectations because I haven't clearly defined it for them. But if I walked in there and I had a really solid plan and they said, I will do all of that. And when I'm done, I'll go home. Why would I be complaining about that? Well, I think you're onto something there, Henry, because I think the, I think quiet quitting is solved with clear communication. Dun, dun, dun. We're done. Yep. It down. Good <laughs> luck wrap out it there. Up. Wrap it up. <laughs> Josh, so, I'm sorry that we've been having a two-way conversation. Over no, here. you know, I've been I've been learning about quiet quitting and telling you, you know, it's it's been very educational for me. Let, let, let me ask this, and maybe this isn't quiet quitting, right? But what if what if you are someone or someone has been at a company for a long time, right? And has been the exact opposite of quiet quitting. Okay. And get to a degree or to a place in their, right, in their station where they say, you know, I'm, I'm ready to reprioritize for a season, right? And I'm going to put in my 40. We'll call it 40, right? I'm going to get my objectives done, right? If you're project-based, you're hour-based, whatever that is, yeah. I'm going to make sure that everything that I am responsible for is above water, right? And then beyond that, I'm going to reprioritize the things that are maybe it's my wellness, my, you know, my mental health, my physical yeah. health, my family, those types of things. And, but I'm not going to take on new stuff, right? I'm not going to go above and beyond. I'm not going to do this challenging project. that's going to shine a big old spotlight on me, all of that stuff. Is that, is that quiet quitting? Sounds like it. I don't think it is. I don't think it is. If you if somebody's saying I'm not going to go above and beyond, isn't that like one of the key terms here? Well, that's one of the many definitions. And that's, <laughs> that's right. There are there are a lot of definitions. You're and right. that's what I'm then that's what I'm saying. Like if someone just says, you know what, I'm get I'm getting paid to work 40 hours and I am working really hard for 40 hours, and they want my employer wants me to work 20 to 30 more without paying me, and I'm not gonna do it. Hey, more power to you. I mean, I draw the line, set a healthy boundary. I'm a hundred percent behind that. But what I think 
what my definition of quiet quitting is it's because I see it all the time is somebody who is a little bit removed because we're in a work, we're in a remote workplace. And so it is purely reactive work. Anything that is pushed to them, they will get it done. And then it's, I'm going to go walk the dog and then come back in two hours and check email. And if I have five emails, I'm going to respond to those five emails. And then I'm going to, you know, go out to eat for a couple hours and then I'll come back. And if I have five emails and that, that's not right. That's yeah. not right. Yeah. I, I, you know, guys, I watched this show on HBO. Uh, it's called the industry or industry or something. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Have you seen this? No. It takes place in the UK and it's all about a financial company and these, you know, young people trying to get a job there. Anyway, watching the show and watching these people sleep in the office and work obnoxious yeah. hours and watching them like do everything from get coffee and lunch for their bosses to, you know, build decks and, and just you know, pour over the font they were going to use in the deck. I thought, my God, I'm a quiet quitter. When I read this article, I was like, I'm a quiet. There's no way I'm sleeping in the, okay, granted, I work at home, but there's no way I'm sleeping in my office to get a job done. If yeah. I can't get the job done during the day, I'm just going to say, yeah, it's it's too much for me to get done in the day. And everyone's just going to have to live with the fact that it's going to take me an extra day to get it done. If you're that yeah. worked up over which font I use in a presentation, I don't know what to tell you because the font's not the important thing. It's the content. But, yeah. and granted, we're talking about a TV show, but there are people who will do that. And Tim, in your example about working an extra 20 or 30 hours and not getting paid, that's egregious. That's illegal. But if you're a salary employee and the extra thing you need to do would take one extra hour and you won't do it, well, where's your head at? You know, that's, that's, that's when it starts to get questionable know. for me. I don't question somebody who says, I'm not going to do extra 20 hours of work for free. But someone who's on salary that won't go above and beyond to get the thing done, that's not going to take that much time. I'm not talking about sleeping yeah. overnight. I'm yeah, talking about one, one extra my, hour. I think one of my biggest problems is because I am not a quiet quitter. I'm a loud quitter. <laughs> so <laughs> like, if I'm not going to do something, I'm like, you know what? I can't do that. I do not yeah. have the time. Your yeah. expectations are unreasonable. Like, we've got to talk through this. We got to find some middle <laughs> yeah. ground. Like, yeah. so it's not in my nature to be all passive aggressive and just say, oh, yeah, here, everything you're telling me I should be doing. OK, yeah, yeah, that's fine. And then I don't do it. I that's not in my nature. I'm I communicate. And I so it's difficult for me to wrap my head around the idea of just silently doing the bare minimum. And I think that's where you and I, Henry, we're like on opposite ends of the spectrum and that's what happens with this topic that's why it's so controversial because you're sitting over there like you know what's wrong with not doing above and beyond and then i'm just stuck on the bare minimum yeah and yeah sales, that makes sense as a salesperson man like any salesperson that came to me and was like hey i want to be on your team by the way i am going to do the bare minimum <laughs> i would say yeah uh you know what <laughs> You're not, there's not a spot for you over here. So, yeah. But if somebody came on your team and said, if you want me to make 50 calls a day, I'll make 50 calls a day. Yes. Oh, I would just, you know, that's once again, we, you have to set expectations very clearly early and often. Yeah. So let's get back, let's get back to it though. 
Have either one of you ever quiet quit? Yes. Yes. Josh. How about you? How about you, Tim? I could think of one situation where I quiet quit, but I want to hear about yours first, Josh. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it's no secret, right? It's what I was describing earlier, you know? It, it's or maybe it's somebody life. that you know, Josh, yeah. named yeah. Gosh Nosh. Jamboa. <laughs> Gosh Jamboa. Gosh Jamboa go. is uh, somebody that we know. Yeah, no, honestly, it's, it's exactly what I was describing before. And, and I, for me, it was seasonal, okay. right? I, I just got to a place where I was... I don't want to say maximizing because I believe in maximizing. I was overextending, right? And it was an effort to get the job done. And both of you know, especially in a corporate environment, if you do 10 more hours, there's 10 more behind it that can be done, right? The work yeah, right. never, the work never, never, never ends. And so, you know, I, I was in that cycle and I was in that cycle. And honestly, it was paying off for me also, right? It wasn't in, in vain. I would say I was being recognized. There was promotions coming along with it and all of those good things. But it got to a point where I said, you know, I'm not, this isn't who I want to be long-term. I can't sustain this. And so I did pull back, but again, I wasn't, I don't feel like I was doing the bare minimum, right? All my obligations yeah. were met. Everything that I was responsible for, multiple projects were above water, right? Green, couple of yellow dots from a project tracker perspective. Um, but I wasn't going to keep pushing that hard, right? Because I felt like I was burning out. I felt like it was impacting my family. I felt like it was impacting my relationships, my attitude, all of those things. And so um, the way that I read the content that we researched for today, I would define that as quiet quitting. So, yeah, one of the many definitions, I suppose. Yeah. But yeah. see, I think that's actually on the healthy end of quiet quitting. Yeah. Well, but here's, here's what I would say, though. I feel that if I would have verbalized that where I was at at the time, it wouldn't have been received very well. Yeah. Right? If I would, if I would have done the Tim Carter loud quit, um, yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't have been very good, you know? Um, so I, I, from, from that perspective, I define it as a quiet quit. You know, I just, I yeah. needed to reassess. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you the situation that I was thinking about and geez, man, the quiet quitting definition is just so all over the map. I don't even know how to attach this to it, but it fits in there somewhere. And I'll have to nutshell this because it could be a long story, but I was a salesperson and we were very shorthanded and I was, it's in my nature to get everything done. So I was putting in crazy hours. I was working late every night. I was having to work on Sundays so that Monday didn't eat me alive. I mean, I was working a ton of hours and I kept telling my leader, I need help. I need help. I need help. And they weren't giving me help. And the reason they weren't giving me help is because everything was getting done. Yeah. You know, it's like from their perspective, he's saying he needs help, but everything's getting done and the business is running well. Well, you know, that's like the duck that looks calm on top of the water. And then I was furiously paddling to stay above water underneath, you know, where nobody could see. And so I ran this by one of my mentors. This is some of the best advice ever. And I was like, I do not know what to do. I can't get any help. And so then they asked me everything I'm doing. I tell them the hours I'm working. They go, just stop working at five o'clock every day. And I'm like, well, the business will crash if I do that. And they're like, and then you'll get help. Yeah. And I said, well, I mean, like, I don't tell anybody that. And they're like, no, five o'clock. 
log off your computer <laughs> and log back in at 8 a.m. in the morning. Do that for a couple of weeks. See what happens. Man, I was so uncomfortable with this idea. So uncomfortable. It's just not my nature. And so I did it. Four days later, my boss called a meeting with me. I went in there and he's like, what is going on, man? It's Escalation City. All your customers are calling. Like nobody can get in touch with you. Response time is down. And I was like, yeah, I, I've been telling you I need help. And uh, I knew this was coming. He's like, okay, let me get you some help. <laughs> I mean, you know, I put that on him because he didn't help me when I said I needed help, but also is partly on me because I was making everything right. That's the one instance that fits into quiet quitting somewhere where I just finally said, okay, this is, you know, I'm fulfilling my obligation for 40 hours a week, but I'm not giving any more because there's no end in sight and this will just go on forever. That to me sounds more like a peaceful protest than quiet quitting. Cause you, I mean, you were trying to get all the work done and you had to be forced into not forced. You had to be guided. <laughs> yeah. Guided into, uh, you know, not doing it all in order to achieve the ultimate goal of getting more help to do more work, to better serve the customers. I feel like when we talk about quiet quitting, we're talking about somebody that says, if you're not asking me to do it, I'm not going to do it. And in this case, the customer was. Well, they don't say they don't say anything, Henry. That's why it's quiet quitting. These (laughs) quiet quitters are very peaceful. Okay, I mean, you're saying that my quiet quitting is a peaceful protest. They're all very peaceful and quiet. (laughs) You know, for for me being in this situation, it was it was more about just a complete. So, I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a serial overachiever. Um, when I get into something, I throw myself headfirst into it. I love to have a goal because I want to know like how far I can go past the goal. Um, that's, you know, that's just how I like to operate. And I push really hard on that. And I've been in an environment before where it was so loose. There were no clear goals. Nobody was measuring or watching the goals. No one really knew if you were exceeding or failing. And it was so frustrating for me that I just stopped pushing. And said, well, what is it that you expect me to do? And I became exactly like you described him. I'm going to go and take a two-hour lunch, check my phone to see if I have any emails, respond to them, come back, put my feet up, make a few calls, check those boxes, you know, hang out and talk to some people and go home. Stress-free. Didn't worry about it. I mean, you talk about, you know, mental health being great, Josh. I was... Fine. (laughs) But what I was, what I also was, was completely unfulfilled. And that doesn't last for very long before I'm like, I can't, this is awful. I have, I've quit, I have quit this job. So now I need to go in and, 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 you know, you know, put my best Tim Carger face on and say, Hey, by the way, I quit. I put my two week notice in two months ago. And uh, so now I'm leaving. And, you know, that's, that, that's yeah. how that worked for me. And, uh, I work in a place today, though, where it's very interesting because it's it's very much the business philosophy of get your work done. And when your work's done and everything's done, then you're done. That may mean it's 20 hours. That may mean it's 200 hours. Do you agree to this trade-off? And that's exactly how the weeks go. Some weeks, there's just yeah. not a lot going on. And everybody's like, yeah, okay. Is there anything you need to do? No. Have you worked on all your projects? You're all up to date? Yep. Yeah. Great. Well, if anybody needs you, they'll find you. And then there are other weeks where it's bell to bell, you know, 
the moment I get up to the moment I finally finish with dinner and do a little extra work and then go to bed and do a little extra work. It's just, not, it's just how it goes. Well, see, and that is, that's an equitable situation. Yeah. If professional maturity is involved, right? Because you're sitting here and you can say, Hey, I've got some weeks where I don't, I don't get stretched too much. And then there's some weeks where I have to, I have to go hard. It's an ebb and a flow. I talk about that all the time, but the problem arises when there's professional immaturity and the slow weeks are taken for granted. And then when a busy week comes along, it's like, I'm not doing that. (laughs) They don't say it, but they think it in their heads. And they they, don't do it. There's no regard for the slow week. They're just like focused on the busy week. You know, you mentioned passion and it's all intertwined here. But I would just say from an employee's standpoint, we'll talk about leaders in a few minutes, but from an employee's standpoint, I'd say a couple of things. So one, you have to understand how, what it is that you want and how it all fits together. And you have to understand how your job and your employment and your pay fits into your passion. And you have to understand it. And I'll give you a really good example. I just had this conversation in the last two months with somebody that I mentor and I can speak very frankly with them, but they have taken advantage of remote work and they've traveled a ton. I mean, you know, just traveled all over the place, single, they work from wherever and they started quiet quitting and doing less. They started not meeting expectations because they were doing the bare minimum and their boss called them out on it. And their boss had the nerve, the nerve in quotations, the nerve to say maybe all of the travel and the remote work is what's keeping you from doing your job. And so they threatened very, you know, very thin, you know, veiled threat that they insinuated maybe they need to come back in the office. Well, my mentee went insane over that idea you know, like how dare them. And then it was, you know, I'm not even that passionate about this job. And if they're going to take away my remote work, then I don't even know why I would keep working here. And I'm like, well, let me tell you why you would keep working there because all of your travel is being financed by this job being funded. Yeah. Like figure out how that works. Like, so do a good job, get paid and you can travel. It all works together. But if, you know, you're not going to game the, game the system of life. (laughs) You're just not going to. I mean, you're going to have to give a little bit to get a little bit. And people just got to understand that. I mean, they've got to. Yeah. Yeah. And Tam, you you mentioned leaders. So how do leaders prevent employees from quite quitting? Well, you know, we've danced all around it, but you got to set clear expectations early and often. Um, I think that's the most important thing that you can do. Um, But I also think you have to be cognizant of boundaries for your employees. Um, You know, don't barrage them with a bunch of assignments that are going to require them to work on weekends or late at night. Some people get really upset when they receive emails on the weekend from their boss because they feel like they need to be working on the weekend. I, I don't get too wound up over that, but you know, you need to understand your people. I guess it's like the real foundation of this conversation. If it upsets your people and don't do it, 
you know, but you have to understand their boundaries and you have to set very clear expectations. Um, You know, I think that's step one, right? Yeah. I think that's an important one though, Tim, for sure. Setting those boundaries as a leader Um, because of what you said, you know, but I think, I think the three of us are far enough in tenure where we can pull back and say, I'll get to that on Monday or it'll be okay. Yeah. But you know, cause we have been targeting a younger generation or maybe earlier in career and, and sometimes it can be translated as, oh man, if they're working on the weekend, I should be maybe working or it's important and I need to respond to it now, um, things like that. So I, I do, I, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in that one in boundaries because your, your voice and, and your actions carry a lot of weight as a leader. Yeah, I agree. The, the truth is your leaders are never going to be able to give you every single detail of every single thing that needs to be done for your job at every single moment, you know? Otherwise, you would, if that's the case, then you would just be a pre programmed work robot. And here's all the inputs, <laughs> and we'll get all the outputs, and it'll be perfect. The fact yeah. is, you know, leaders are hiring people who have a sense of intuition about the things that need to be done. They can sense that this thing over here is happening. And you're hoping as a leader that you've hired people who can see in a direction that is your blind spot. So yeah. that's exactly what you need people to do. And if you're, if you're sitting there and you're looking, going, I haven't been asked to do that, so I'm not going to do that. Well, you've identified the problem and you're not getting the job done. And to me, that means that you're not meeting the expectation and you're not doing your job. Not, you're not even meeting the minimum expectation. And I think that that's one thing, you know, going back to setting expectations, the leaders need to say, I can't be everywhere and see everything all at one time. That's why you're here to help. That's I need right. you to be a resource for me. And when it comes to passion, you may not have a passion about the job, but you, as a leader, you want to hire people who have a passion for themselves, who have a passion for doing well in anything that they do, that will translate to the job. I certainly wasn't growing up thinking I was just so excited about becoming an IT salesman one day, you know, (laughs) know. but, but I I like to do really good things whenever I'm doing anything. I like to be really good at it. And then I, you know, and I assess where I can grow and that's, that's what makes me good at the things that I try to be good at. Yeah. Yeah. You're exactly right. Henry. spot on. So Leaders need to set clear expectations. They need to honor boundaries. What else can leaders do to help alleviate quiet quitting? I'll tell you one that I like a lot is just cut down on meetings and the length of the meetings, you know, just because it's on the calendar. Yeah. If, if dialogue in between, you know, whatever the subject matter for that meeting is, if email dialogue or something has cleared that up, or set the, set the tone or set the direction already, cancel the meeting, right? Or if you yeah. get to where you need to be, you know, 15 minutes into a 30 minute meeting, it's okay, right? It's okay to, to end that meeting early. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Josh. And, you know, quiet quitting, somehow it's related to burnout in many cases, I think. And so what a leader can do to help alleviate quiet quitting also translates into you know, minimizing burnout also. And you're exactly right. I mean, these meetings, if you got an hour meeting on the calendar and you finish everything you need to talk about in 20 minutes, shut the meeting down. Don't sit there and filibuster until the 60 minute mark. There's no reason to do that. And I'll, you know, I'll also say that the collaboration tools we have now that we're working remotely, don't go overboard on those as a leader. I mean, there's zero reason to email, text, Teams message, and call somebody within a five-minute period. And that's that's harassment, leaders. That yeah. is harassment. Like, chill out. 
So, uh, you know, the same things that apply to burnout apply to quiet quitting in many cases. Anything else that you can think of, Henry? Yeah. One more thing I want to add is your relationship to your people can be critical to understanding whether or not they may be a quiet quitter, or maybe that they don't understand the expectations, or maybe that they have a concern about an inconsistency somewhere in the business. Establishing a strong relationship and maintaining a strong relationship is one one key factor to help manage and prevent quiet quitters. And you do that through consistent one-on-ones, asking real questions, uh, being a great listener, and uh, truly trying to understand what motivates those people. Yeah, it's so good, Henry. It's, you know, meaningful time with your people. And when I say meaningful, we've talked about this so, so many times, be a listener, right? You know, understand what's important to your people, understand what they need, understand how as a leader, you fit into what it is that they need. It's just so important. So meaningful time in a one-on-one setting is just critical compared to, sitting on a team meeting, just killing time when there's nothing really to talk about. So good. Well, Tim, why don't you wrap us up? Tell us what we learned today. Well, uh, you two learned a lot. (laughs) 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 We all learned. Classes in session. (laughs) I think the many definitions of quiet quitting, they're so wildly different that it's hard to form a strong opinion about the topic. Or I guess it's hard to land on one single opinion about the topic is really how I should say it. On one hand, our employers rely on us to maintain a strong work ethic and fulfill the obligations of our jobs. But on the other hand, as employees, we must always set healthy boundaries between our personal lives and our professional lives. And this balancing act is largely dependent on communication between employers and employees. As employees, let's intentionally initiate frequent conversations about workload and bandwidth. Don't assume that your leader fully understands every single nuance about your job. And leaders, set clear expectations early and often, and never forget that your behavior influences the culture of your team. As with so many other issues in life, communication is the key. Good luck out there. Communication is the key. And we can't assume that our employees understand all the intricacies of the role. We can't assume they simply know where to go and what to do next without it. Communicate the goals. Communicate the strategy. Check in, check in, check in. Most importantly, model that behavior. For more KL podcasts, visit kindleadershipproject.com, follow us on LinkedIn, or find us on your favorite streaming service. This podcast is an expression of the views of Kind Leadership and its team. We're always open for discussion, so find us on social media and give us your thoughts.